Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roka Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. And today you join us in the aftermath of Sunderland's win over Wimbledon. I know we were, were in the pub yesterday and we had a few beers and chatted about it then, but this is a bit more in-depth. And uh, first off, it's Martin Wanless in Australia. How are we doing, mate? I'm champion, yes. Very pleased that we managed to follow up our first defeat of the season on Tuesday with a win yeah. um, on Saturday because I think we've got a tough run of fixes coming up and if we hadn't got that um, three points yesterday, it could have been a... A tough end to the month, couldn't it? But yeah, very happy. Mm. And uh, we're also joined today by a very special guest. It's uh, Tom White of Sky Sports News. I was about to say how you doing, Tom, but we'll just let in, let, let everyone into the uh, into the crack here. We've we've spent the last what forty minutes getting your headphones set up, so I, I'm I, you're probably more relieved than anything, are you? It's been forty-one minutes it's taken me to get these headphones set up, <laughs> and as I said, as I said to you, I'm ashamed to say someone usually does this for me. I'm completely useless unless it's written on an auto cue in front of me. I really am completely useless, and there I've just well, proved it in front of both of you. Well, <laughs> bit of a culture shock, isn't it? I think you're going to have to get some IT skills. Um, before we get into the weird and wacky world of Sunderland, though, how are things with you, anyways, Tom? You still living the dream there over at Sky? Yeah, very very happy right now. Um, even even throughout the pandemic, I was always working, so I was very lucky. Yeah, you know, really really missed going to games, but everybody did. People had it a lot worse than me, so I'm very happy. Thank you. How's it been covering the transfer window so so far? Because there's been some pretty big moves so far. To be fair, isn't it across the leagues? It's been amazing because some transfer windows. I mean, a few transfer deadline days ago, it was, oh, will Josh King sign for Manchester United? You know, and they ended up with, with Odie Nagala, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. okay, was was a was a big deal at the time and came out, no, it was a good story. But this transfer window, there's the Harry Kane situation, which has been, there's, there's some sort of update every single day. Lukaku moving. There's, there's still talk of Erling Haaland, by the way. Robert Lewandowski's just thrown his... Uh, Throwing his hat into the ring for a potential move this month as well, so it's been it's been brilliant so far. Completely different to the last couple of windows. When I see all these names being linked around, I think who's like who's actually spending money at the minute though? Because just because of the pandemic, I think a club's not being a little bit more careful. Obviously, you've got your Man Cities and your PSGs who've got unlimited amounts of money, so the pandemic's probably not even hurt them. But you know, when you talk about like Lewandowski or even Erling Haaland, who's probably going to cost. Upwards of a hundred million, probably a lot more than that. It's like who 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 can really afford these players? Yeah, well, with Haaland next summer, he's got a release clause of sixty five million. So right, so it's a good tra- good time to get rid of him. No though. one's got the money at the moment to to buy him, apart from like you say, Man City, Paris Saint Germain. In fairness, Chelsea and maybe Manchester United as well, but certainly not Barcelona or Real Madrid. Whereas next summer, it's sixty five million, and everyone's had a year to get their finances back in shape. Loads more clubs yeah. will be in for him. So if you've got the money now, go for him now. Because when it's 65 million, there's going to be a lot more competition. I know we've had you on a few times in the past, but uh, for our newer listeners or for those that simply don't know, can you just remind us of how you came to support Sunderland? Cause it... Yeah, well, this is it. When I was born, I was told my name was Tom and I was told I support Sunderland. And that was <laughs> it. I didn't realise that there was a choice. Mum and dad, both Sunderland fans, 
So I'm a Sunderland fan. Um, my son, he's only four. He's had every kit since he was born. He, he was born just after our relegation from the Premier League was was uh, confirmed by, by Bournemouth at home. So since then, in his lifetime, we've had two relegations and failed to get promoted uh, three times from League One. So I'm not saying that he is the bad luck charm, <laughs> but he is. <laughs> got your room decked out nice there, man, Tom. Good stuff in the background. Well, this man, I've got an office in the garden. So it's like a, well, I suppose it's like, it's like a shed, but it's got, you know, windows and it's got sky. It's, you know, it's got all the electric. It's got a fridge. And I've got every Tyneweir Derby win <laughs> since I first went to a football match. I've got a picture from every single one of them. Brilliant. I see it's not usual to see Sunderland fans on the TV, but then there's Dave Jones as well. So maybe maybe it's a bit more usual than we realise. Yeah, well, well exactly. I'm, I'm not even I'm not even the best Sunderland fan presenter at Sky Sports, let alone uh, <laughs> let alone the only one. Onto the game then. Uh, we beat Wimbledon one nil yesterday, Martin. Good result, you think? Happy with the three points? I think it's a cracking result. I think it's one of those that you look back on. You know, it's one of those games that you look back on if you if you've ended up with a successful season, and go, "That's a crucial win." That and you mm. kind of look back at some of the other promotion seasons that we've had. Like I was thinking back to the 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 first time we went up under Peter Reid. The first two thirds of that season, we were scrapping out one nil wins in a lot of the games. You know, yeah. it's just so scrappy. Get in, get three points, get out. And they're invaluable, you know. Like last season, we'd have drawn that. I got beat. Mm. Good win, then, Tom. I think it went under the radar that Wimbledon have actually had a decent start. To be fair, I was watching the the Quest highlight show, and the guy on there mentioned that prior to the game, they'd only lost one in eleven, which I had no idea about. You, you sort of say Wimbledon on the Wimbledon at home on the fixture list, don't you? And you think, well, we should beat them. You don't realize that. The, well, I didn't. I didn't realize it had such a good start. No, and they've. Their, their game plan was was a good one. It was a, a Sam Allardyce game plan. It was a make sure we don't concede and try and nick a 1-0, which they actually could have done. And I was actually quite impressed with them. And they had their, their right winger was, uh, I think it was Asib, I think his name might might be. I need to look, I need to yeah. look that up, actually. I was, I was talking about him on air last night and I've already forgotten <laughs> his name. And mm-hmm. um, I was speaking to a few Wimbledon fans who reckon that they want to get a million pounds for him. Well, I would pay the million pounds, even though we're in League One. He looked brilliant uh, playing yeah. on the right-hand side for them. He was he was superb. I could see him going to the Championship, actually. But I, I liked them. I thought they were good. And the fact that we still managed to win that game. And crucially, I'm one of these who are obsessed with, with getting a clean sheet. And that's the first one of the season. And that was vital for us. Yeah. Really important, especially when our, our defence isn't isn't complete yet and we changed the goalkeeper getting that first clean sheet is vital as well because once the defence start to believe that they can keep clean sheets more should come but very uh, satisfying victory yeah you've got to give credit to the defence Martin haven't you their strikers just never had a sniff I think Doyle and Flanagan to be fair to them like they've put a really good partnership together I said on the podcast that you know they, they were sort of forced together in pre-season because we had no other centre-halves but then um, Doyle's just brought out the best in Flanagan, I would say. This is as well as I've seen Tom Flanagan play for Sunderland. I agree, and you know, I think it's the first time that we've seen Tom Flanagan play on the right hand side of the defence for us. Yeah, but if you if you told me after that Lincoln playoff game, if you told me that we'd be starting the season off with Tom Flanagan and the seventeen year old in the centre half, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd have been shitting myself because like. <laughs> You wouldn't think that would be a solid foundation at all, would you? But no, like I think Flanagan deserves an enormous amount of credit, and I think you know you you put the the factor in that we've been playing with without fullbacks, really, and you know, obviously Serkin's come in, he's he's getting his fitness back, but you know Dan Neal went back to fullback yesterday, yesterday and had a you know a tough opponent, as Tom was saying. Yeah, Winchester's play, been playing the other side, and he's been playing fantastically well, and you've got a, a young goalkeeper behind them so I think to keep a clean sheet and I think that was our first clean sheet since we beat um, Bristol Rovers in March that's crazy isn't it when you think of it So it is yeah. it's nuts it's like it's, and, and we've actually gone on a really good run of clean sheets before that and I think we'd only conceded in two games in about 10 before that and we yeah. went on a terrible run I think it's, it was 16 or 17 games since then that we haven't managed to keep one so yeah. to keep that clean sheet especially for Patterson on his first um, league start 
it's massive. It just gives you confidence, doesn't it? Yeah, we'll move quickly on to Patterson. Then he was drafted in the last minute. Tom did a decent job for me. I think his kicking and catching was great. I listened to Lee Johnson talk about the actual situation that occurred. Burge sort of took a knock on his hip in the warm-up and then said he was fine and then he spotted him in the tunnel and saw him walking a bit gingerly and thought, mm, no, nah, having that. So you throw the throw the lad in at last minute. But I've heard a lot of interviews in the past with um, like former players of other clubs even where they talk about being given their debut at a club and it's quite a common thing for a manager to just spring it on a young player. They won't tell him the night before because they'll be up all night, nervous and all the rest of it. So for, for Patterson, it was probably a good thing that he was just sort of, right, you're playing. And he was, all right, okay, straight into it. And he, to be fair, he did all right, didn't he? He did, by the way, that Wimbledon players, Ayub Asal. I said Asim, it was Ayub Asal. Right. I, I feel uh, I feel bad <laughs> at myself for getting that wrong because it's supposed to be my uh, my forte. Uh, well, anyway, at least you didn't get it wrong on air last night. That's the main thing. Well, yeah. Well, well, like I say, it was written on, on autocue in front of me. That's why. I, I... <laughs> um, Patterson, I think he did do well. He did make one mistake, but that was the that was the only negative. But that's okay. The the defence are a team in itself, and Sirkin was there just like Patterson was there when others made a mistake. So that's fine. And Lee Johnson said over the summer, Patterson is part of our first team squad. So. If Burge isn't quite right, he has to play. If Burge played with an injury, that shows that actually Johnson doesn't really trust Patterson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that would be more of a worry for me if he hadn't played yesterday, knowing that Burge um, had that slight knock. So he came in, I, I felt comfortable, I didn't feel worried. Like I said, there was that, that one error that didn't lead to a goal. Um, but other than that, he... I felt safe with him in goal. I think that's the best compliment that I can give. And the fact that we kept a clean sheet is huge for him and the whole defence. Yeah, I think he probably would have played on, on Tuesday anyways, Martin. But do you think he should keep his place? Well, I think he definitely will, won't he? Mm. I think he's he's going to... You know, when you, you listen to Johnson. I know Johnson was talking about Jack Diamond when he said this after the game. But he's talking about getting 25 games for a player to develop. Yeah. For a younger player to develop every season. And you, you know, obviously Patterson's played against Port Vale. He's played yesterday, yesterday against um, Wimbledon, and he's going to play against Blackpool because obviously if Burge is carrying some sort of injury, he's not going to risk him. And obviously, there's no, the only choice is, is I think is Carney. I think Carney's got an injury as well, hasn't he? So Richardson would be there. Yeah, yeah. Carney, Carney missed the twenty threes game so. last week as well. So, um, and I think Johnson Johnson mentioned it actually when he was talking about goalkeeper. As he said, once Carney's back fit, he'll be in the reckoning. But mm. Yeah, so it looks like he'll play. You'd certainly keep Patterson in for the Blackpool game, wouldn't you? And then, it, you know, if he if he had, has a decent game against Blackpool, it makes a, a quite a tough decision for Johnson ahead of Wickham, doesn't it? Because that's that's going to be a tough game for the keeper. Yeah. And if if Patterson goes in on the back of two clean sheets when we haven't had a, had a clean sheet for for five months, it's going to be a tough decision for for Johnson to leave him out, isn't it? Mm. Hopefully, we'll have uh, another keeper by then, but. Uh, we'll not. Amen. We'll get onto that later. We'll get onto that later. <laughs> um, pretty much everyone agreed, uh, Tom, that Carl Winchester was man the match after the game. Pretty much everyone I saw on social media, all of the sort of feedback from from videos on YouTube and all the rest, everyone was saying Carl Winchester was man the match. So, uh, so let's break his performance down. Uh, firstly, the goal. Uh, it was nice to see someone taking a shot on from range, wasn't it? I mean, I know it was a lot of fortune there. But uh, you don't shoot, you don't score, do you? That's, that's the name of the game. He, he played really, really well. and I didn't have a clue that he could play right back, but he's played there very well so far. Uh, last season and the season before, I was... Over, in fact, it was actually... I even had this conversation with Dave Jones that I said, Ledbetter and Power, they need to shoot more because they've got, they've got good strikes on them but they get the ball in a shooting area and kind of would then look wide. And there's nothing wrong with that. It keeps possession and we're still on the attack. But I thought that the two of them could have backed themselves more. And we've seen Ledbetter strike them brilliantly. We've seen Power strike them brilliantly. So exactly the same goes. Now that now that I know that Winchester can strike them like that, I want to see him do it more often. Yeah. Because he, I know it took a deflection, but I think that's three times this season that he's hit one from about five billion yards out. <laughs> And he struck it so well. He should, I like that. I, I, I'm i a big fan of if you get a chance to have a go, have a go. 
Because what we're guilty of in the last few seasons, in fact, we've been guilty of forever with this, is that we don't shoot enough. It's gone out of the game a bit, hasn't it, though? Sort of midfield, yeah, it, midfielders doing that. Because I'm, I, I think back to even like the Quinn Phillips days, we had Alex Ray, Gavin McCann, Stefan Schwartz, Don Hutchison. Like these players yeah. all scored goals, and it just feels like it's gone out of the game a little bit where midfield players don't score anywhere near as many as they used to. Yeah, well, the amount of times at half time I've said, oh, we're playing well here, and then thought, actually, but has their keeper had to make a save? Mm. Yeah. I mean, if we can play well and just get a couple of shots from long range just to test the keeper, it, it could go in the top corner. Keeper might fumble it uh, and go to one of our strikers. We might get a corner out of it. Something could happen. The, the worst that can happen is it goes out for a goal kick. But if we keep passing the ball around, trying to walk the ball in, it could be clear and the other team could score on the counter-attack. So there's no mm. harm in that. I'm not saying that we should just shoot on sight. But... If the if it if the ball's rolling right for you, thirty yards out, twenty five yards out, just hit it. And now we we now know, or we've learnt this season, that Winchester has has got a good shot on him as well. So back himself, not just him, but the rest of the players. Yeah, his overall performance, Martin, he was very good, wasn't he? I mean, the goal aside, just had a very good game. He's he's definitely feeling his way into that position and. I think I've seen something where when he was at Oldham with Johnson, he played right back a fair bit. So he obviously trusts him to play there, doesn't he? I heard him on the the BBC Newcastle post-match podcast talk, uh, Lee Johnson talking about Winchester, and he said, you know, we trust him. He's part of the squad. He's trusted. If He said, if I need to play him in the 10, centre midfield, right back, or even at centre-half, I would, because I trust him and I know his quality. Um, he's, and he was signed sort of, under the radar again, like we bought him from a League Two side, who, um, not I don't think he was really he really registered on anyone's radar, did he, Carl Winchester? But he's mm. he he knows as well as the rest of us that we're signing players now, and if he wants to be a fixture in this team, he has to impress in the time he has got on the pitch. Um, so, you know, is right back his position to lose now? Do you think? Well, I think if if you flip it round, right? So if we'd signed Carl Winchester in the summer as a right back, and he played as well as he has done for the first few games this season, we'd all be going bloody hell! We've got a good right back there. His his performance mm. has been great. He's looked solid defensively. He's looked calm in possession. He's he, you know he's got up and down that line. He's looked a cultured player. And I, I thought he was great on the ball yesterday. But as, as Tom said, he's he's had, he's got a goal threat from right back. Yeah, you know he had a, he had a good shot saved against Burton on on Tuesday. He's took a, a pot shot yesterday and won won us the game. And like to me, if you, if you can have somebody in in the fullback positions who can contribute four or five goals a season, you've got a tremendous advantage for yeah. against you know teams who don't have that. We saw that with Luke O'Neill, didn't we? As well, when he first went into right back, he seemed. I think he scored well, no, five right. or six that season from right back. Just because you you know you, you've got a bit of a, an offensive mindset as well. And you know, I think um, some of the lads last night on the on the pod made the point about you know Winchester's playing so well, we have to get him into midfield. And to me, that's counterintuitive because Winchester's never played as well as he has done for us in <laughs> yeah. midfield as he is playing right back this season. Mm-hmm. So to me, you kind of go, you know what? That's your shirt. Keep until until somebody comes in who's going to you know drastically improve on on what you can do, or you fall out of form. Yeah, knock yourself yeah. out. Winchester wasn't signed on. We're we're using data and stuff now to sign players. It's you know it's a more modern way of signing players. But as you know, I speak to a lot of managers, whether out of work managers or current managers, and they all say there's lots of things that they that they say in common. One of them is any manager when he joins a club will try to bring in a player that he knows. Now Johnson has has had Winchester in the past. And the reason a manager will bring in a player that he knows is that he's got a voice in the dressing room. If the players, if the dressing room aren't particularly happy with something, a decision a manager has made, that player can say, well, hold on, actually, he did that at this club and it really worked. That kind of thing. You've got a voice in the dressing room. So Winchester was signed because he was in the last six months of his contract. Johnson liked him as a player and and he is a good player. So he, he liked him as a player. He he wasn't expensive. He knew what he could do, but crucially, he had that voice in the dressing room, and that was very much John Winchester was Johnson's signing before yeah. all of this 
all of the, the data had time to come in. And in fairness, I'd imagine the data analysts at the club are probably looking at it and thinking, yeah, we, we probably would have been quite happy with that, with that signing as well. Yeah. I thought Dan Neal was brilliant again, Martin, even out of position. Um, just so assured, isn't he? He's he's a he's a cracking little footballer. Like I'm, I'd sit here all day and sing Dan Neal's praises. I think like Winchester, no. I just don't see how you can drop him at the minute. Doesn't matter where he plays. No. Like he he's played so well that I think when when Serkin's fully fit, he's like the he's the first name in centre midfield. Oh, like he's absolutely. he's made that centre midfield position his own. And like to me, he he's a future captain. When you when you look at this performance yesterday, and you know, and he's got good leadership qualities. He was always wanting the ball, and he, he's got a bravery about his play. That that's what I like the most quite, about him. Brave, he's just so brave. Isn't isn't afraid to try things. It's quite remarkable for such a young player, isn't it? I mean, can you remember seeing a Sunderland player that brave, like as a young man, like who's no. come through? I mean, I don't even think Jordan Henderson was that brave at this stage of his career. I know it was at a much higher level, but much higher level. Yeah. But Dan Neal, for me, you would you'd think he would played two hundred games already. Uh, but he's he's got such a beautiful eye for a pass, hasn't he? You can see things, and it just adds such a a different aspect to what we do compared to what we've done in the past few seasons. You know, he's he's looking forward all the time. He's looking to get that ball into a for you know for a forward to run onto or to to just make something happen. And that's his first thought. It's always trying to make something happen in the game and affect the game positively. Yeah. So to me, he's the first. Once everybody's fit, it's him plus one in the centre of midfield. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with you there. Um, Tom, with with regards to Dan Neal, then he's like, like I've just said, just impressed pretty much everybody. But as a as a spectator, that's the type of player you like to watch, isn't it? Somebody who tries to positively affect the game. What well, this is going to surprise you is that when I see Dan Neal, the biggest comparison I can make is with when we had Ki Sung Young on loan for that season. Yeah. Um, because. And when we had Key, he was so different to anyone I've seen in a Sunderland shirt. He was, like you said, brave on the ball, great eye for a pass, always seemed to have time on the ball. And, and I would describe Key as a classy footballer um, until he signed for Newcastle, of course. But <laughs> with Dan Neal has got all of that. Yeah. And, he, and he's younger and he's come through our academy. He's one of our own. We own him. He's not, he's not uh, on loan. And I've been really impressed with just the way when the ball comes to him, sometimes any, any player in any position, sometimes the ball comes to him and you think, oh, he's under pressure here. He needs, he needs to get rid of it. You need to shout man on. Dan Neal seems to have great awareness of who's around him. Yeah. Teammates and opposition. And he takes the ball so calmly and like he's got, like like the ball can kind of glue to his his feet with his first touch, glue yeah. to his foot with his first touch, and as he takes the ball, he's already looking to see what else is around, and with him mainly he's looking forward as well. I know people have a problem with sideways and backwards passing. If it keeps possession, fair enough. But if there is a ball forward, which quite can be quite a brave ball, but can result in a chance, mm. that's what Dan Neal's looking for every time. So yeah. I've been very very impressed with him. He's doing a good job at left back. I don't want to see him get stuck there. Uh, and I don't think he will get stuck there, by the way. Um, but very, very impressed, just like just like you two are. And yeah. I think, well, every, every Sunderland's the fan so far. I don't want to bring the tone down too much, but I thought McGeady and Gooch really struggled again. Um, like they did at Burton, I don't know. I'm just a little bit worried that they've struggled in the last few and to, you know, haven't really had a meaningful impact on the game. And we know they can. But is it is there anything to be concerned about, Martin, really, with that? Uh, do we just need to be a little bit patient? I know creative players do go through patches of it where, where they, they struggle to affect games, but is there something to be a little bit more patient about, do you think? I think it's a funny one because I think, you know, they're probably two very different situations. You, you wonder with McGeady how fit he is. Yeah. Uh, we know he had a, an injection and he missed the last few games of pre-season, didn't he? So yeah, yeah. How how fit he actually is, is is a question. Also, to be fair to him, he's been having to play in front. He's done an awful lot of good defensive work to look after Dan Neal when he's been playing left back, and also when Serkin has come into the side. So he's had that defensive responsibility as well. But he, he hasn't really hit the you know he certainly hasn't hit the heights that he, he hit last season, has he? 
No, um, no. On, on the other side, like, Gooch in the first game against Wigan, I was I was watching him. I was like, bloody hell, he's had such a good pre-season. Johnson's done a great job on him because his, his decision-making was good. He was sharp. He, he wasn't overcomplicating things. He was you know, one touch out into the box. And I thought he had a really mature game against MK Dons when we played them. But Burton and Wimbledon, he's gone completely the other way. And you get that with Gucci, don't you? He hasn't got... He never seems to have that really happy medium where he has... No. But I suppose game. that's why he's a League One player, isn't he? You know. Well, well, it is, but he's coming to the age of his development now where you want that consistency to come in. Consistency usually comes in. Um, it's, it's normally you know with a younger player where you get that real sort of discrepancy in performance. So I think I'd like to see somebody else come in as a new signing who can play in those wide areas because really... There's not a great deal of competition, is it? If you know you, no. you put Jack Diamond in the mix, but... and sorry, just to jump in, but Diamond didn't even make the bench. Tells mm. you a lot about where he's at. I think. I think. I think when I listen, yeah. I listened to Lee Johnson talk after the game about that, and he said that he just felt that Josh Hawks, with his assist and goal record, if we did need somebody in the last twenty minutes, he might be a better option. Um, so that to, he sort of fell down behind Hawks really in the pecking order, Tom. Um, I, I would agree with Martin. I don't know what you think, but I think we need somebody else on the wing. Just a little bit more competition there. I see. I'm. I'm not actually sure if we do. M- McGeady, something. Something doesn't look quite right with McGeady. He he might be playing with an injury, which we know he's done in the past. And fair play to him for putting the team first. If he needs, even if it's two months out because he's injured, then take him out for two months so that he comes back and can be as amazing as he was last season. But that, I don't know whether that is the case. As for Gooch, I actually don't think Gooch has been playing badly at all. I think if Gooch is, is normally a, a six and a half or seven out of ten, maybe for three games in a row, but then we'll have a game where he's where he's a nine and can win a game, that's fine. I'd keep playing him. I've got no issues with Gooch. Um, I've McGeady, let, let's see if he's in, if if he's if he's fit enough. Jack Diamond can always come in. Josh Hawks is is left footed, so it can give a balance. I mean, I always thought he was a number ten, and I thought that Johnson wanted a left footed winger. Well, maybe Hawks is that left footed winger without spending the money. Yeah. Um, Pritchard and Embleton can both play out wide if we need to. Broadhead can play out wide as well. I'm not a fan of O'Brien out wide, but he can do it. And Huggins is is quite interesting. Because Huggins has come in, and I thought Huggins was a right winger who could play up front. But for Leeds, he was actually playing left back. So, and I now, after doing a little bit more research, think that Huggins has been signed for us as a right back. Yeah. But again, he can play on the wings. So unless, if if Hawks or, Hawks and or Diamond go out on loan, then yes, I think we would need another winger. If they are staying... Then I actually don't think I don't think winger is somewhere that we need to strengthen mm. uh, at this stage. And we know how good McGeady can be. What, whatever the issue is, he'll fix it. And Gooch, I I've got no issues with with Gooch at all. Not not even one. Mm, fair play. Like I say, I'm 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 more in the camp of like I do appreciate what Gooch brings to the team. He clearly works very hard, but I think some aims. We could just do with seeing a little bit more quality from him, but I think the 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 key thing really is that the manager will persist with him. So he has to at some point deliver and and contribute to goals and assists. Like Martin just said, to be fair, I think in pre season he looked at he looked a different player. He he looked like you say sharper, and he was he was he just wasn't over that. The the big issue with Gooch for me is the overcomplication of simple things sometimes. Like yesterday. He got into a couple of good positions. I thought his first touch was brilliant. There was three or four times I remember where Doyle played a lovely long ball to the wing and he just trapped it beautifully and then had the time and the space to do something. And rather than you know gambling on Stewart, and we've seen this season Ross Stewart, if you just put the ball into areas, he'll get there. Even if he isn't going to score. We've seen chances, I think, even last weekend where... Um, the cross was going at the box. Stewart just came out of nowhere, got his head on the end of it. I think maybe they're not used to that still. There's probably still a little bit of that with with we aren't really used to having that man in the box who just you can gamble on and 
if you make a nice um if you put a nice cross into the box uh, he, he's going to try and get on the end of it he's going to throw everything at getting on the end of it so there might be a little bit of that with Gooch but he does just need for me just needs to sl- slow down and, th- and 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 simplify his game but I think that's been a long running a long running problem with Lyndon Gooch I think I think he's, he's very capable of of scoring a goal from 20 yards curling at the top corner but he's also capable of of making something that should be very simple look difficult um but yeah, tell you what's going to be interesting with with us as we go along, like where Embleton fits in, because I I see Embleton being a really big player for us. And I think he's a, a fantastically good talent. Yeah, but him and Pritchard have, have kind of played in that same position behind the behind the striker so far this season, haven't they? Oh, he, uh, sorry, he dropped deeper. Yes, yeah, out, out yeah. necessity. He didn't. He didn't impact the game. Well, he impacted the game in a different way to what he can impact us mm-hmm. further forward. At Blackpool last season, I think he played. Sort of right hand side, very versatile. Yeah. Whether Embleton comes into one of those wide positions at some point, um, with Pritchard in well, that, the centre yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, I I think that let's say McGeady, if McGeady is injured or or needs to be rested or whatever you want to call it, I think that Pritchard would go ten and Embleton would go to the left or even to the right mm-hmm. with Gooch to the left or Diamond to the left, Hawks, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that Embleton might be moved out wide if that's the case. I think he'd move Embleton before he moved Pritchard because last season for yeah. Blackpool, if they played four two three, they sometimes played four two three one Blackpool. Sometimes they played four four two. If it was four two three one, Embleton played ten. If it was four four two, Embleton played on the right wing, the right hand side of a four in midfield. We we know he can do both. He's absolutely magic on the ball. And what really impresses me about him is that he is one of the very very few people in in the like the history of football who are actually genuinely both footed. The fact mm. the fact that he takes corners from the right hand side with his left foot and corners from the left hand side with his yeah. right foot is this is just me being a really sad football fan, but that mesmerizes me. <laughs> I love that. That, that as really well. does. That was that was something <laughs> I was gonna bring up. It was great yesterday watching him take take corners with his left foot. And I, I had a point out with my dad, I was like, you realise he's that's his wrong foot? Like, is it? So well to be fair, I think he's good is good on both feet. You know, he, he is, hasn't yeah, got a stronger he's, foot. He's, he's aimed, there's very few genuinely both footed. There was uh, there's Embleton, there was um, Santi Cazorla, uh, Oberfemi Martins as well uh, from Birmingham and Newcastle. Um, Bobby Zamora was both footed, but there's not very many players who are who are as good with their right and their left. I mean, yeah. McGeady's not far off, but not quite. A, you know, no. he he is predominantly mm. right footed, but they're Actually, Johnny Evans was very good with both feet, but I've not seen anyone quite as, as identical with both as I have done with, with Embleton and Cazorla. Can you imagine being able to do that? There you are. Just, I'll take a corner <laughs> with my left foot now. I'll take a free kick with my right. And, and it feeling natural. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a terrible five-a-side player, but I, I can just about toe-peg it with my right. I, <laughs> I'm all left foot. Um <laughs> We've had a bunch of really good questions in from Rob at Hillwalker70 on Twitter. Uh, he's asked, what are our thoughts on our loan deals from Premier League clubs? And is this a reflection of how our club is now being run? And uh, similarly, Tom, we've had one from at Southgoat123 who has asked us about this transfer window and whether it's the start of a culture change at the club. Feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, well, with the, the loan signings, as long as we sign a player on loan who is going to be a first-team player rather than a squad player. I'm all for it. Everything could change, of course, but Doyle looks like a brilliant loan signing. Delighted with him. Um, I've got a feeling that Broadhead is, although he's on loan to us, I've got a feeling that he'll be available next summer. So that might end up being a long... This might be, although there's no deal in place for this to happen, I've got a feeling this might be a loan with with a, a, a verbal agreement of a... yeah. Of a um, of an option to buy at the end of it, so that's actually a bit more long term. The Doyle one, I think, might even be a two year if we can get into the championship. So again, two years is medium term in football these days. Mm-hmm. That's not short term; it's it's medium no. term. So good, yeah, no problem with loaning players in. I don't want them to be squad players. What's the point in that for for anyone, for them, for us, or for the parent club? What I'd be most impressed is that players who could have come in on loan, who we've actually signed permanently. 
like Niall Huggins, speak, uh, hearing from Bielsa, it sounded like they would have preferred him to go out on loan. We've done a deal to get him permanently so he could do brilliantly for us and we could make a very rare profit. At Sunderland, we don't tend to make profits on players. Huggins could be one. Uh, Dennis Serkin, I know people inside at Tottenham who I know that they didn't want to sell him. I know they wanted to loan him, but we've managed to do a deal, not in terms of throwing money at them, but do a deal to make it attractive for Tottenham to actually sell him to us. I'm far more impressed with those signings, getting them permanently, because their value will hopefully rise and they can be brilliant for us for years and then they're worth the money or they can be so good that we have to sell them to clubs in a higher division and we make mm. money from them that can go back into the club. So they're the ones that impress me the most. Yeah. Uh, Martin, so where would you say we're at when it comes to transfers and healthy position? I know... A couple of weeks ago, it didn't feel that way for some people, but we seem to have got most bases covered right now. We've uh, had a question from Ian Matram on Twitter, who's asked, where would we like to see further additions and possible outgoings and loans out to help further development of our young players? So is there any, is there anything to add on that? I guess we're going to probably see a few go out of the door. I think um, you know the one position that I really would like to see us strengthen in the next 10 days or so is, is the keeper position. If you know, as we touched on Minoni um, possibly coming in, but I, I think if, if there's an opportunity to bring somebody like that in who really um, gives you something better than what we've got in goal, I think you know that could be worth eight, nine, ten points difference coming oh, into the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's certainly one that I w- would be keeping an eye on. Um, I'm not sure we'd we'd bring in many more. As I say, I wouldn't mind us bringing somebody in to to compete on 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 the wings. But I get um, get Tom's point about you know the versatility of, of other players. You know we might not need that, but I I'd, I still would like a, a more direct winger just to come in to give a bit of competition there. But other than that, you know I think I actually think fullback wise we're pretty pretty well covered. Like you've yeah. got Winchester. We talked about Winchester earlier. We've got him. We've got Huggins who can play. Either well, apparently anywhere he might he might go and go. But, you know, you've got Huggins who can play right back, left back. We've got Serkin playing left back. Yeah, I don't really see us bringing anybody else in at full back necessarily. Um, no, because you've no. got Flanagan who can play over there. You've got Alves who could potentially. Apparently, play there, Callum so. Doyle's very good at left back, from what I've heard. Yeah. So you, you, you're right. Callum we Doyle are... will be very good at most things. Yeah, probably basketball. You know, tiddlywinks, five or uh, everything. Um, yeah, Tom, what do you think we need then? Um, I think if Huggins has been brought in as a right back, the fact that there's him, Winchester, O'Neill, and there's, there's young Kenton Richardson, if he doesn't go out on loan, can play Ollie there Younger as well. And actually, Ollie Younger, and although I don't like Lyndon Gooch to be wasted in a full back area, he can play there. So, provided Huggins has been signed as a right back, which I think he has, I think we're probably okay there. Wouldn't complain if another one does come in. Left back, Sirkin will be first choice. I actually think we do need another left back. I think because, let's say, Huggins and Sirkin are our only out-and-out full-backs and Winchester and Dan Neal, they both get, let's say they both get injured and Winchester and Neal go back into full-back, suddenly we're short in central midfield. And rather than rectifying that by bringing another central midfielder, I'd prefer to have specialist full-backs. So I think we, a right back, we could probably live without. Left back, I think we definitely do need. That's the only thing I think we definitely do need. I expect Grigg to go. And I think an out-and-out striker will come in. Stewart's an out-and-out striker. O'Brien isn't necessarily an out-and-out striker, although that is his best position. Broadhead isn't necessarily an out-and-out striker. So I think if Grigg goes, I think a out-and-out striker will come in on loan. And from the Sheffield United side of things, someone has said that Jebison um, has many clubs to choose from, one of which, Sunderland are one of which. And I believe that the reason he hasn't actually made his decision yet publicly is because he has chosen Sunderland, but we are waiting to let go of Grigg. So oh. we'll see what happens with that one. But the, the point is, I think if Grigg goes, a striker will come in. But left back, I still think we need another one. Or yeah. be cover, so we don't need to spend money. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I still think that Denver Hume will resign. I just, I think it's going to happen. I don't. I don't. The the problem with Denver is is that he's been injured. That's one problem. The other is that 
for somebody to take him off our hands, and, and he is a free agent, but he's still technically bound to us because if somebody wants him, they've got to pay for him. They've got to pay the compensation fee for as much for as long as the the contracts on the table from us, and it might not be a, a one that he likes, but as long as we've matched these terms, um, and that contract remains on the table, if somebody else then comes in and wants to sign him, they either have to have Sunland's blessing, uh, you know, right, okay, we drop all, we drop our contract, you can have him for nothing. Or they have to pay it, and I just don't see, I just don't see who's going to pay a quarter of a million for a for an injury prone League One left back. I just I don't. So I, I think he, I think that'll be the left back that comes back. But stranger things have happened. I mean, I know there's been a little bit of talk of them maybe going to Hibs if they sell their left back as a Doig. Um, yeah, but well, that that Josh Doig, he he will play in the Premier League. He'll he'll go via the Championship, but he'll play in the Premier League. They rejected four million from Birmingham in January. Hibbs did, yeah, because um, they didn't want to let him go in January. But he will eventually play in the Premier League. It's a funny one. It is a funny one. But like I say, I I think he'll come back. Uh, you did briefly touch there, Martin, on Vito Minoni. So let's talk about that. Uh, at Headley underscore SEFC has asked, when is his plane landing? Um, yeah, <laughs> don't think it's as straightforward as that. I mean, from what I. Uh, from what I'm comfortable to say, I guess from what we've heard, we've heard from the Minoni side of the deal that Sunderland and the player are very, very keen for this to happen. Um, money isn't the problem necessarily because you know you know how these things work. They can they can work out a way of getting them out there. But he's got a year left on his deal. Monaco though have uh, just let go of a goalkeeper. They have brought one in this summer, but um, he is relatively cheap by their budget and letting go of a third choice goalkeeper means that they have to replace him with somebody and it's probably not worth the hassle on Monaco's side of things to let him go. So if if he really wants to come to Sunderland he has to make that that known. And I, I'm I'm like fifty fifty whether it happens or not because, you know, at the end of the day the the, the side of the deal with the power is the is the selling club in this instance. It's not Sunderland. We can only do so much. But would you like to see him come back, Tom? Well, yeah, I would because <laughs> I, I I absolutely absolutely loved him. But I must say, I am I am more than happy with Virgin Patterson. By the way, I've never seen Jacob Carney play, but if we've got three keepers there, I, I am happy with that. But I'm not going to say no to to big Vito Minone coming <laughs> back. I did try to. Um, I mean, the, the, I've got no doubt the story is true, but I tried to get a little bit more info on it by um, calling his his agent. But actually. He is no longer his agent, the person who I phoned. So I couldn't get any any more information on it, unfortunately. I did interview um, Vito Minone ahead of the Euros, ahead of the final, because it was Italy v England, so I wanted to get his views on it. And really good guy and everything. And I'd love to see him back, but I've got nothing more to add to the story. I can't kind of confirm it, but I've got no no doubt at all that it, it is all true. But as you've just explained, it's not that straightforward. No. Um, but was but, but simple answer is of course I'd love to see him back, but I am happy with the current goalkeepers. Yeah, I think I think though with Vito Martin, you you just said it before. I think a a goalkeeper, a good goalkeeper at this level is worth eight or ten points a season, isn't it? And I'm I'm probably in the same boat as Tom. Like if we didn't sign him, I'd be fine with Burge and, and Patterson. I'll, I I would like to see Patterson maybe go out and loan though. I think I think I just goalkeepers do. Probably more than in any other position, they benefit immensely by proper loan experience. And I mean, we saw that with Jordan Pickford. But if it came to it and we didn't sign another goalkeeper, Minoni didn't come in or whoever else they're looking at, um, I'd be fairly comfortable. I think Burgess, and I've said this numerous times on the pod, so I won't bore people any further, but he, he is a League One goalkeeper, um, so he's going to make mistakes. And... We were pretty lucky with John McLaughlin for a season or so, weren't we, where he was clearly above this level. So people judge him against that when really they should be judging him against goalkeepers at other clubs, shouldn't they? Yeah, look, I think I think Birch is a good League One keeper. I think you, you, you look at the other keepers around and there aren't many in League One who are better than him. No. But I just think if you've got the opportunity to bring somebody down into League One who should be playing at a higher level, they're going to add a significant amount to the team, aren't they? So mm. if there's an opportunity to do it, you'd snap the hands off. Yeah. I think um, I agree 
to make Patterson, whichever, however he gets it, Patterson needs first-team football this season. So whether it's with us or whether it's on loan, he needs a good stint in of regular football at first-team level, doesn't he? Because that's, that's the only way he's going to develop. Yeah. yeah. If, he, if he plays it with us, he's going to make mistakes. But he's he's got to get that experience. And if he goes elsewhere, he's going to make a few mistakes. But it's, I think just for him, this season's vital. He's got, he's got to play a decent amount of games somewhere. Yeah. And if he if we don't sign a keeper, uh, hopefully it'll be he'll get a decent run inside at some point this season with mm. us. Yeah. Quick look ahead to Blackpool and Tom, are you going? You, you like your away days, don't you? I, I do like my away days, and I, I couldn't go to the Blackpool one at New Year that time, which I'm still annoyed about that now. Was great. No, I'm not going great. to Blackpool. <laughs> the game I was think, crap, but uh, the, day, the, the weekend was great. Yeah, we won though, didn't we? We, we, we won on that New Year one, yeah, one nil, did, didn't we? Didn't match just score? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a great game, but it was just nice being in a stadium away from home where there was like 8,000 of us and 1,000 of them. <laughs> Yeah, so, so no, I'm not going to Blackpool. I went to MK Dons and I went to Burton. Um, I've actually not been to the Stadium of Light since Blackpool at home, that game where Greg rounded the keeper and, and put it <laughs> wide. It was one all Armand Nanwier scored for them. I've not been to the Stadium of Light since that game, although I am going to be back for the Charlton games. It's the day after the Sam Allardyce talking that I've got in Sunderland. So right, I'm cool. delighted about that. When the fixtures came out, I was like, brilliant. Because I would have been <laughs> devastated if it was an away day near me and I was up in Sunderland. <laughs> yeah. So so this couldn't, couldn't have worked out any better. So I can go, go with my dad to the game for the first time in a long time. So no, I'm not going to Blackpool. I think he will make changes, not because he's devaluing the competition, because I, I, I'm desperate for us to win just because it gives us a chance of playing Newcastle in the next round. I'm the same in the FA Cup. We're never going to win the FA Cup from League One. We're not going to win the League Cup from League One. But we could draw Newcastle. Yeah. And it would be... Well, we just want a derby, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we, we would beat Newcastle. I don't, I don't think we would beat them. But it would be it would be a no-lose situation, really. Because, yeah. the, you know, even if we, we battle and, and lose 1-0, it's, you know, we're, we're in League One. They can't take the mick out of us too much. So I, I want to go through. I do think he'll make changes. I think he'll want to see Huggins. It looks like Sirkin needs more first-team football. So there's two changes straight away. I think he'll want Wright to get up to speed um, with match fitness. I think he'll want to see Alves. Yeah. So there's a whole new back four from the weekend. Um, Evans will still be out. I guess he'll put Dan Neal in midfield with either Winchester or O'Neill. He'll definitely want to play Pritchard. Um, I think he'll want to play Diamond as well. Um, so I've pretty much named it most of the side <laughs> there. I, I, def- I, I definitely think you'll want to see Broadhead and maybe O'Brien as well. So there's it could actually be, um, with the exception Neil and either Winchester or Nye, and it you know it, it could well be nine changes um, mm. for the uh, for the side. I should have thrown this in by the way when I was talking about fullbacks. We are in for a player from Arsenal actually called Ryan Alebiosu. Never seen him play. I hadn't heard of him until someone told me about it. We're in for him, but at this stage, it's only in talks. I know he's a fullback. Don't even know if he's right or left. Um, so we, we are in for him. And when we were talking a few weeks ago, there was a lot of talk about an Exeter right-back called Josh Key. Yeah. Um, who we'd had a few bids rejected for. And I saw a few conspiracy theories going around saying that the club had leaked that information to try and appease the fans because we hadn't signed anyone at that stage, well, I can assure you that that story is absolutely true. We've, we've been in for this Josh Key from Exeter all summer and haven't been able to get him. I don't know if that deal is now off um, now that we've signed Huggins, but we were absolutely in for him and willing to spend quite a bit of money on him. So just in case there was anyone out there who thought that was planted by the club, the club have been silent with the local and national media all summer. So that story was not leaked from the club because I, I know where it came from myself. Um, <laughs> and and we, you know, we, we were very much in for him. But this guy here, this fullback from Arsenal, this uh, Alebiosu, that would be a loan if we go for him. But at this stage, we haven't actually made the offer. It's just mm. a case of in talks. Yeah, it's interesting that we're still looking at right backs then. Um, well, well yeah. see, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he's a right or left back. Ah. I basically was given the name... And I forgot to even research him because I'd, n- I'd never heard of him. Right, okay. Um, but he, he is he is a full-back. Well, we do definitely need a full-back. And they, c- they can't just bank on um, Denver Hume re-signing, I suppose, because 
like I said, a club could actually come in and, and pay the money. And then we would be like, ooh, okay. So they, they, they've obviously got targets that they've got to line up. Um, I think yeah. there's still plenty to, to do. I know how long's left of the window, like just over a week. Plenty to do, yeah. Tom. And I think I think there'll be there'll be a few ins and outs at least. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's uh, next Tuesday night is is uh, is deadline day, but we could still get Hume after that because he's yeah. you know technically a, a, a free agent. But yeah, I think I think I think at the moment I think once the I think once Grig goes, I think we might even see. I think we might see a few more come in. Yeah. Is that likely to happen? Do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think I think he'll definitely go, and um, the it would someone would take him on loan for a year, and it's the last year of his contract, so they'd take him on loan and hope to get him for free next summer. So it'd effectively be his time at Sunderland would be over. It would just depend how much of his wages we are still in, still willing to pay. Yeah, and if Christian Speakman and Kira Louis Dreyfus dig their heels in and say we're not paying a penny of his wages if he's going. You're paying the lot. Greg would have either have to take a pay cut, or that club would have to find his wages in full, and that's going to be very difficult for any League One club. Even we wouldn't pay those wages now. We paid mm. them then. We wouldn't pay them now. Uh, and if he stays, I think Lee Johnson would would actually. I think he'd feature. I think he's not featuring at the moment because he expects to lose him. I think if he stays, he would feature. Like I said, Ross Stewart's the only out and out striker that we've got apart from Will Grigg. So who knows, Will Grigg could get some game time. We know he can score goals. His time may not necessarily be over, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't move on um, between now and next Tuesday. Mm. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us. We're very grateful for your time. Um, Just remind people where they can find you on social media and what times you're usually on the air because you're on nearly every day, aren't you? Yes, yeah, well, it's at Tom White Media on um, on Twitter and Instagram. And in terms of when I'm on, throughout the throughout the transfer windows, every transfer window I do, Good Morning Transfers, which is 9am till 10am on Sky Sports News. I also do Transfer Talk, which is midday till 1pm, apart from on a Monday where it's 1pm till 2pm because Ref Watch is extended on a Monday morning. On the football show, I also do Saturday nights. As soon as, as soon as Soccer Saturday finishes, I'm on six till nine pm, giving all the EFL goals, unless of course I've booked it uh, off as holiday to go to a game. <laughs> and then you can fi- and then you can find me at a at a League One ground where <laughs> Sunderland are playing in the away end. Well, I'm surprised you've got time to do anything else. Sounds like you're very busy. <laughs> um, and cheers, Martin. Uh, and no thanks, problem. everyone, for listening. Of course, we'll be back before the weekend, so be sure to catch up with us, and we'll uh, see you all later. Bye now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.